morning. Good to be here this morning. My transmission started acting up on the way down and thought I might end up at some church on uh, 12 mile or 15 mile or whatever it is up that way. But um, how long has it been since we were here last? I think it's been three years, approximately three years ago that we were here. And uh, what I thought we would do this morning would be show our brief video of what what's happened, and then I'll, we'll uh, look at the Word and also look further at what the Lord's been doing in our ministry in Brazil. So if we could have that video, we'll, we'll see that right now. The goal of this presentation is to bring you a brief update of what God has been doing in our lives in the last three years in the Abiteto. July of 2009, as Dawn and I were making plans for a return to Brazil, I received an online chat invitation from Alexandre. He invited us to come and work with him in the Abiteto. Abiteto is a, is a project in which he'd been working since 2007 and where he had started a Bible club. Alexandre had started the Bible Club with a team of helpers from his home church, Calvary Baptist. But for varying reasons, enthusiasm had waned over the months since the club's initiation, and thus he felt the need for our help. Before our arrival in 2009, Ali Shandri had seen the need of working with parents and teaching Bible principles, even though he'd already been doing that with the children in Bible Club. It was in March that he inaugurated Igreja Batista da Fé, or Faith Baptist Church. It's hard to think of all the victories that God's given us over these few years of ministry with Alexandri. I think about the many visits that have been made. I think about kids that have come to Christ. I think about Bible studies that have been done. I think about the way that God's provided money for the purchase of land. Other missionaries have scratched their heads and scratched their pocketbooks trying to come up with funds to purchase land and over a period of one year God provided 52,000 hay ice for us to purchase two lots right across the avenue from where we've been ministering for the past few years. It's really neat to be able to see God working in this way through nickels and dimes and dollars and hay ice to be able to purchase land.
I sometimes compare our church to Lilliput. It's full of little people and people that are growing in their spiritual walk. But isn't that how every church is? We're all growing into the likeness of Christ. I hope that you pray for us. Pray for our people. March, we had heard that Marina and Frankie's mom had begun using crack and had come to the point where she was selling household items, including the kids' clothes, to buy it. At the beginning of April, one of our faithful and most active teens, Amanda, secretly began date, began date, began date boy. She's since dropped out of church and wants nothing to do with us. In a recent message, Alicia the challenges with the story of Gideon and why God used only 300 men to fight against 120,000 Midianites. God wanted the people to recognize that their strength came from him alone. We believe that possibly God is using the difficulties of recent days in the same way. No matter how fun our Bible club is, no matter how cool our little orchestra is, or no matter how interesting our messages are, it's God that's going to build our church. Another important lesson we're learning is the importance of prayer. Only as you pray will God act on our behalf. This is our plea, that as you see the video, as you see these faces, as you remember us in our ministry in Brazil, that you would take us to the throne of grace on a daily basis and pray for God's fruit in our ministry. We pray that you will pray. Wow, it looks so different at home. It's, that is, the, the voices were about five minutes off from the pictures, but uh, if you just wanted that, maybe the executable file is not the way to go on that. I don't know. Uh, we... We went back to Brazil without direction, basically. We were headed back to a team that was going to go on furlough when we arrived and uh, didn't know exactly what the Lord had for us. But as I mentioned in the video, if you could associate, or if you heard what I said, uh, I, was, I was online and, and uh, a friend of mine said, how are you doing? And we started a, a chat and basically received a, an invitation online. I don't know if that's happened in missions history before, but I'm probably sure it has. But uh, because of that, we were invited to come work in a very difficult part of our town. Uh, Sorocaba is a large town. It's over 600,000 people. 
and with large towns come large problems. We had a community of uh, several communities of uh, what they would call what we might call sh shanty dwellers, living under viaducts and in cardboard boxes and in uh, plywood homes and things. And uh, what the mayor did is he took all of the problem and put it in one spot and moved that spot way to the north of the city, outside the outskirts of town. If you buy a map of Sotokaba today, you do not see where we work because it's not on the map. Uh, so they were kind of sweeping the problem under the carpet. But uh, the problem really uh, got worse because there were many uh, different favelas in town, and each favela had a leader, and when those leaders were all put together, they began to kill each other. And uh, it wasn't uncommon to see bodies laying in the streets uh, on a daily basis in that part of town. That was a few years back. That was 15 years ago, and my co-worker started uh, the Bible Club in 2007. And it, after a couple of years of working with the children there, he realized that uh, the parents that they needed a church. Parents needed to be reached as well. And so he inaugurated Faith Baptist Church in March 2009. And just right around that same time, he invited, actually a little bit before that, he invited us to come and work with him. And I said, we'll pray about that. Which usually to me means it ain't happening unless God really shows me that he wants me to do it. Uh, well, as we as we went back to to Sotokaba, we had we had a team that was leaving, and we had a, no place to live. We were, we had, we had, we did have a house, but our house was going to be inhabited by uh, a pastor who was coming to take over our our previous work. So we had a couple of weeks to look for a house, and uh, in that period of time, the Lord opened up the door, literally to to a house that was only five minutes away from the project. Uh, very hesitant about moving to that house just because I didn't want that neighborhood too was was had a shady past and present as well. But uh, we ended up realizing that that's what God wanted us to do and and uh, and move there. Uh, I want to change gears just a little bit and think. I'll ask you a question: Who likes to garden? Do you like to garden? Like to work in a garden? I mean, spring brings thoughts of of gardening. I was sitting out in my daughter's, son-in-law's and daughter's backyard yesterday and thinking about the beauty of the yard. And, and the Lord's allowed me a little bit of gardening practice in Brazil. And they have exotic plants that aren't exotic to them, but to us, uh, they're exotic and they can be outside year-round. And it's very uh, refreshing sometimes. can be frustrating. Uh, what do you like about gardening? Or what do you hate about it? If you don't... Weeds, yeah, weeds seem to be a problem. The old curse comes to mind every time we garden. But what do you like about it? Watching it grow. You know, that's the hard part because you want to see, you want to plant a seed, you want to see something happen right away. And if you know gardening, you know that you have to plant and you have to water and then it takes a little while, but when that first sprout comes up, you're excited and then it takes a longer while until you actually see results of your gardening. It takes a while. It takes weeding. It takes feeding. But even before that, it, it, it takes soil preparation, doesn't it? You have to prepare the soil. They say in Brazil that if you throw, you throw something on the ground, it'll grow. And it's, it's funny, a few months ago, our neighbor came over with some roses that she cut up. 
And uh, she came into my garden and she went, <laughs> stuck them in the ground. And I said, what are you doing? She said, oh, I thought you might like these roses, you know. I said, well, what, is, what are you doing? And she says, I'm planting roses. I said, my mom had roses for years. She lived up in Oxford. And uh, she, you know, every year she cut them back to within a hand's width from the ground. And she mulched and she did everything. And she had some roses periodically. But uh, this lady comes and sticks rose stems in my garden. I'm thinking, what on earth? About six months later, they started producing roses. I could not believe it. Uh, but soil preparation is key. Uh, do you realize that church is like gardening in a way? Uh, it can be exciting and it can be frustrating. You plant seeds sometimes and you don't exactly know what the result is going to be. You, you hope that you're going to get uh, a tomato plant with lots of luscious tomatoes and then you see those big green worms and you realize that I should have put a little bit of powder on those tomatoes. Or you, you care for your plot of ground for a, a number of years and it really doesn't go anywhere. It takes a long time sometimes to, to see results. It's like that, isn't it? Your pastor is like a gardener. Sometimes he has to pull out the weeds. Now, how do you do that? Well, you help people with the proper nourishment, the proper food, soil preparation. In soil preparation, what happens? Does anybody, I mean, Michigan has some pretty good soil. I can't believe the soil that you guys have. Uh, the soil that we have in Brazil, in our area, is clay. Really hard clay. And you just think, what is this going to be good for? It's not good for anything. So you begin a compost pile. And because of the organic matter that you're able to mix in with the soil, you can see that soil become rich. You can see it begin to produce flowers. I had a nice little flower garden that was probably about the size of, I don't know, half of this aisle here. And, and it, was, it just was beautiful, the flowers that were produced. Church is like that. The soil needs to be prepared. Uh, expository messages, as this brother was saying this morning, uh, messages that, that prepare hardened hearts. Did you know that God was a gardener? Genesis chapter 2, verse 10 tells us, or verse 8, notice what he says. Genesis 2, 8. Moses writes, recording the the seventh day of creation. But notice what he says. Someone read that for me. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. You maybe not looked at it like this before, but look what, is, look what uh, Moses says. What does it say? The Lord God planted a garden for the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. God created the world in six days, and then Moses emphasizes this part that the Lord planted the garden. Can you imagine that garden? Though God was a gardener. A friend of mine used to make fun of me because every flower I go by, I stop and see if it has a smell. And I usually come away with a yellow nose or something. But uh, I like flowers. I like plants. And I, and I said, well, you know, you're making fun of me, but God made plants before he made men. And it was him that planted the garden. He put the man there to care for the garden. And what did the man have to do? He didn't have to weed it. 
He must have just gone in there to harvest the fruit and vegetables that God had planted. God planted the garden. John chapter 15, Jesus talks about an important principle. Throughout the Old Testament, or especially in the prophets, Israel is referred to as a vine. But here in John chapter 15, Jesus talking to his disciples, said, I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser, or the husbandman, or the gardener. My father is the one that cares for the garden. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Takes away the, the, he takes away the branches that are unproductive and he, he prunes those that are productive. That's the same word there. Uh, there's a cutting process. Why do we cut plants? Sometimes we cut them. I was at Friendship Park in Lake Orion yesterday and there's a beautiful Crimson King maple growing as straight as an arrow. It's about 15 feet high and about this wide. And my daughter says, boy, that doesn't give off much shade. I said, well, you know why? It's because that top needs to be cut off so that it begins to branch out. Working with people in church is a lot like that, isn't it? We have to sometimes prune with harsh words or, or corrective words that are very difficult. Uh, we have to prepare the soil. We have to nourish the soil. Uh, in gardening, it's with organic matter, dead things. And with, in church, it's with the living Word of God. Why? What is the end result? What should be the end result? That the gardener that your pastor is looking for. What, what do you think the pastor is looking for? More what? More fruit. You know, I, that, that could be. Of course, we'd like to see this place filled. Uh, we'd like to see this place filled. Why? Because we want to see this neighborhood effective for Christ. Royal Oak's got a kind of an interesting reputation anymore, doesn't it? Difficult soil. And yet, what will change this soil? Will more fruit change it? It depends. If that fruit is becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. If that fruit is affecting its own neighborhood. Spiritual fruit is, is interesting in that uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love. In my neighborhood, where we live right now, uh, we have a, a lot of difficulties. Like I said, they, they had moved all of the bandidos, or the, you know, the crooks, the criminals, the, uh, the drug dealers, the, the, some people, there are, there are many good people in our neighborhood, but there are a lot of high high portion of uh, criminals and uh, next door on both sides of our house we have we have two kids that are dealing drugs one's 13 one's 14 years old the older drug dealers use kids like that because in Brazil if you're under 18 years old uh, you can't be prosecuted you, you might get a slap on the hand you might get sent to the juvie for a few weeks but you will eventually get out pretty quickly because they feel that he's just a kid or she's just a kid cannot treat them like an adult 
And uh, recently, we, there was a drug raid in our, in our neighborhood just in, in March, the 12th of March. Uh, the mayor sent in the, the cavalry, sent in the helicopter. Soto Cabo only has one helicopter, but he sent that in. Sent in several police cars. It was, it was a huge drug raid that had been planned for several months. And in the process, they went door to door looking for drugs. They had houses that they'd been, they had some undercover agents in there. And uh, through, through several weeks of research, they, they discovered the houses that were dealing drugs. And so they went door to door. And in that search, they came to a house where two of our kids were. Two of our kids that are 18. Both, both the kids are 18, Michael and uh, Mateos. And that morning, the police did not want to know what their background was, what their uh, police record was, uh, whether they were believers, whether they had been to our church on a regular basis. They just went in and they hauled those guys out and went in looking for drugs and they found a kilo of, of cocaine in one of, the, in one of the closets. And because of that, those two young men this morning are in jail and they might be there for a long time. Was that wrong place, uh, wrong time? Was that, how was, how was God protecting those boys at that point in time? Uh, had we prepared the soil in a proper way so that they knew that they were doing wrong? Our goal is to help our young people and our adults as well to understand God's will for their lives. We do that by preaching the word on a, on a weekly basis and allowing them to understand that unless they realize that they're a part of the vine, unless they realize that they are a part of the body of Christ, that they are lost. Even though they have Christ as their Savior, these two young men are in a prison system right now that is very difficult. Uh, I don't know if you've seen pictures on on documentaries or whatever about the prison system in Brazil. But go online this afternoon and, and uh, do a Google search images, uh, Brazilian prison, and it will astound you. Just 20 to 30 young men in a room that's made for seven. They sleep on the floor in uh, shifts because there's not enough room or not enough beds for everybody to sleep. So these two young men are there this morning because they made wrong choices. The rent was cheap, food was free, and they are they're paying the price. So pray for them. Another situation. Uh, one of our young teen girls, Amanda, she's been a part of our church since the beginning, accepted Christ uh, about two years ago. And... God was working in her life. She was faithful. In fact, she, she won the prize for being the most faithful teen last year. We have a program that's similar to Pro Teens. It's tailored for, for our um, church, but it's, it's, a, it's a program where the kids memorize verses and they have uh, different tasks that they have to complete during the year. They have to read a certain portion of Scripture. And uh, Amanda had set herself... Above the crowd, she'd brought more visitors. She'd memorized more verses than anyone else. She was the faithful teen of the year. And yet, at the 
beginning of this year, she started night school. Now, night school down there, the school goes in shifts. High school is you can study in the morning or the afternoon or in the evening. And it's basically they use the same building all day long, and they make use of it all day long. But they only go for four hours at a, at a time. She chose to go at, uh, at, to school at night and ended up meeting a young man and uh, began dating this young man, unsaved young man. Wrong choice. She, right now, is out of church. She doesn't want to hear from us. She doesn't want anything to do with us because she knows that she's wrong. And uh, she, she's having a difficult time. If you remember to pray for her. But it's all a part of gardening. As we share the word, as we work the soil, as we preach the word, memorize the word, allow the word to mold our lives, is the only way that we can truly growth and truly see God working in our lives. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more, more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. What does it mean to abide in the vine? What does it mean to abide in Christ? What do you think? What does it mean to abide in Christ? Say that a little louder. Read the Word of God on a daily basis. We've, we've been working with our teens for the past two years now. Uh, most of them had never read the Bible. And so last year, uh, we had them reading the New Testament. Through the year, they read through the New Testament. This year, we're reading through the Old Testament. Right now, we're in the book of First Kings. Two chapters a day to read through the, the Word of God. A few months ago, one of my juniors came to me and said, Pastor, I, I, don't, I can't believe it. I was reading something really weird in the book of Matthew. And uh, I said, what were you reading? She said, there's this part that says that if somebody smacks you on the, the cheek, that you have to turn your other cheek. She said, that can't be. I couldn't believe that. I had to go ask my sister if that's what he was really saying. And so she went and asked her sister. And she said, yeah, that's what Jesus was saying. If somebody smacks you on the face, you have to turn your other cheek. She said, I couldn't believe that. You know, now she lives in a, in a neighborhood where if someone smacks you, they, that might be the last smack that you ever receive. It's a deadly smack. They don't, they don't smack people without reason. I mean, they just, they get in fights all the time. And she said, she, she said that because for the first time in her life, she was getting into God's Word. And as we read God's Word, as we meditate on God's Word, and then as we begin to put God's Word into practice, we see him changing our lives and we see him changing the lives of those around us that's the really the only way that we can see growth in our church is through the word of god 
So we see that meditating on the Word of God is the way that we're going to grow. Where does the pruning come in? Is it only the pastor that prunes? Sometimes we take advantage of our gift of exhortation and we tell people what we think about them. But in other times, we allow things to happen in people's lives without saying a word. We put it all on the pastor. That is his job to correct people. I saw her do this, but it's his job to correct it, so I'll go tell the pastor. Do you realize that uh, we have a responsibility to our brothers in Christ? We have a responsibility to those around us. We see something going on. We see something wrong in someone's life. It's not that we're always to be critical about it. We have to really examine our own lives first. But we can approach that person in Christian love, in love, and say, I don't know whether you've thought about this or not, but do you know what you're doing? Do you realize what you're doing here? Have you seen this aspect of, of your conduct? Really, that's what pruning is all about. It's part of taking, a, helping a person see where they can correct their lives and their walk with Christ. It's helping them to understand that we're all involved in the gardening process. And it's difficult because a lot of times people don't want to hear that. Uh, this one kid that's in jail right now, he's, he's a clown. He is, he is a funny kid. He's, he accepted Christ back in 2007 at the beginning of Bible Club when he was 15 years old. He is always joking. I mean, whatever he says comes out of his mouth. Whatever comes out of his mouth, it's usually a joke, and you're usually laughing at him. And recently I said to him, I said, you know what? You're never serious. You have a friend that wants to come to church. You have a friend that wants to know more about Christ. And here you are always playing around. You're joking. You're always kidding. You're never serious. You need to get serious sometimes. There's a time for joking, but there's also a time to be serious. And, Michael, you have to be careful. You have to think before you speak, because you're known as a clown. And he, he was hurt by that. And yet, he continued in his stupidity. And uh, I'm not saying that he's in jail today because of that, but he just never saw life as serious. He had a very difficult life. Uh, he lived in a home where his mom made him sleep underneath the sink in the kitchen because she, there was only one bedroom and she had the bed and then she wouldn't prepare food for him. She would allow them to eat after her if there was enough food left over. So the kids were always hungry. The kid had a difficult life. And so I imagine that he began to joke around because of the fact that, that his life was so sad. But uh, correction is difficult. And a lot of times we are timid in that area of our lives. We see something that only we have seen or we've noted and we're afraid to go to a person and help that person. That's part of pruning. When we prune, we help the plant to grow. I've had many plants where it says, when the flower dies, pinch it off so that more flowers will grow. I thought, that's weird. Why would I want to do that? But when you pinch a plant that needs pinching, it begins to grow. That's pruning. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, 
For apart from me, you can do nothing. I tend to want to walk on my own a lot of the time. I tend to want to depend on my own thoughts, my own ideas, my own goals, my own plans, uh, my own direction. And Jesus Christ said, unless we abide in him and walk in the word, walk in his way, that we're going to be lost. We cannot bear fruit unless we walk with him. When we returned to Brazil in 2009, we were aimless. We didn't know what to do. We knew that God wanted us there, but we didn't know where he wanted us. And yet, as we began to yield to his direction, uh, he began to show us exactly what he wanted. Uh, I remember going back and thinking, Father, what do you want us to do? And we had taken some goodies back to my son-in-law. My son-in-law's parents live in Brazil. They're Brazilians. And uh, we, he had sent some goodies back with us. And uh, they're very nice people, but they like to talk a lot. And I, every visit we, we make on them, it's hours. It's an hours-long visit. And uh, I hesitate going sometimes just because I think if we go over there, we're going to spend two, three hours and have to eat a couple of meals. And someone don't want to do that. I don't know. But anyway, we, we had taken some things back to, to his parents. And Don says, you know, we need to get those things over there. And I said, well, I don't want to. I don't want to. It's, well, all right, we'll do it. So we ended up making the visit. Sure enough, they invited us in. Come on in, you know, have us something to eat. And, and the visit began. And as we, we began to talk, uh, we told them about our plight. We didn't have a place to live. We don't know where we're going to go, and we, we think that we may be wanting to work with Ali Shandi, but we don't know about that. And he works in, in this part of town, and, and what do you think? And they said, well, you know, hey, I'm the, the man, Antonio, said, I'm painting a house right now, and I think you'd love it. I said, well, where's the house? And he told me where the house was, and I said, oh, my, uh, I don't want to go there either. I, well, I was really open to God's will, wasn't I? But anyway, uh, we... He insisted that we look at the house, and that night we went over to look at the house. Really liked the house. It had a little bit of a yard, and it was only five minutes away from where Alexander was working. I said, Oof. I was hesitant. I, didn't, I wanted God's will in my mind, but in my heart I was like, this can't be your will, Father. It's like the guy that was praying for a wife, and he, he closed his eyes and he said, Lord, the first woman that I see when I open my eyes, I believe that that'll be the one that you have for me. And so he opened his eyes and he said, Lord, I wasn't kidding. No, not that one, Lord. I I wasn't kidding. I was was being serious. I was like that. I wanted God's will, but I didn't want God's will if it meant that I had to go over there or I had to go over there. I I thought I knew what I was doing, but... uh, God opened that door for us, and because of that visit with my son-in-law's parents, we ended up moving into the house that uh, allowed us to work with Alexandri. Pruning is difficult. Didn't like it. Still don't. But it's necessary if we want to see growth. That pruning experience allowed us to become a part of one of the most exciting ministries that we've been a part of in the last 15 years. Uh, Our perspective has changed because we're working on a Brazilian team instead of an American team. Before we would go into a 
a neighborhood, and we would purchase a piece of land, and we would begin a construction project because we had resources in the States that would help us to build a church. And as we would build the church, we would begin to make visits in the neighborhood, and we would see people come to the church. Another missionary said to me, you guys have the field of dreams mentality down there in Brazil. I said, well, what do you mean? He says, build it and they will come. And I thought, wow, he's right. We're, we, we determine a, a, a church plant by a lot that's available in a certain part of town. This time, it's been a little bit different. Like I said, Ali Shundi started this Bible club in 2007. And he started because... Uh, he had come back from Bible college, ready to be a youth pastor, and he, he went to his home church to do that. And people, the kids at his home church kind of rejected him because they virtually were saying, you were one of us and now you're telling us what to do. Who do you think you are? And so he got discouraged. And his father said to him, why don't you uh, study to be a, a teacher? And so he took a course and began studying to, to be a teacher and at the end of that course, after a year's time, he, he earned the right to be a teacher's aide. And so he, he asked, Where can, what places, what uh, openings do you have in the area of teacher's aid? And they said, well, we have one in the Abitetu, which is that neighborhood. And he said, Ooh, oh, I don't know. Well, I guess I'll, I'll do that. It's either that or working in a daycare where you have to t- change diapers, and I don't want to do that. So... God moved him to the Abitetu, and he said, the first day that I went in there, he said, I wore my worst clothes, I took my watch off, I took my ring off, he said, and I went in there, and I ran to the school, and at the end of the day, I ran to the bus stop, and I got out of there, because he said, I was scared to death. But he said, after a period of time, he said, the kids began to break his heart, because he, he saw many kids that had, were in broken families. And he, start, he asked the, the principal if he could start telling Bible stories. And she said, sure. So he'd start to tell a Bible story. He says, you've all heard the story about uh, David and Goliath, right? And their kids are like, who's that? He said, well, how about Jonah and the big fish? Never heard of him. He was amazed. And so he said, can I? He said, he started, that was when he asked the professor or the um, principal to get, begin to share Bible stories in the school. And she said, sure. So he began sharing Bible stories in the public school system. And he said, I was able to share with 1,200 different people, 1,200 kids, stories from the Bible. And then he began Bible Club. One time a month, he would take a team from his church to uh, begin to have a Awana type program where they would play games, do memory verses, and have a Bible story. He took nine people from his church to do that, and at the beginning, it was all fun because it was new, it was exciting, and boys and girls were coming to know Christ as Savior. But after a few months of doing that, people got tired because it was on Sunday afternoon and kind of one of their times where they can rest. And so his team began to dwindle. But during that period of time, he realized that uh, we need to start a church here because the parents need Christ. The parents are the ones that need to be taught. We need families. And so that's when he began the Igreja Batista da Fé, or Faith Baptist Church. So, are you part of the vine? Are you part, are, are you, I, I imagine that in this group this morning that, that you've 
come to know Christ years ago. How are you growing in your Christian walk? How are you seeing Christ prune you? How are you affecting your neighborhood or your workplace with the gospel? It's easy to go on a missions trip, isn't it? Because you go to a faraway country, you can give your testimony, and you can feel like you're a part of a ministry. Whereas in your own home, in your own neighborhood, it's a little bit different, isn't it? It seems like, boy, I don't know whether I want to talk to these people or not because got to live next to them and they don't like Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons and so they probably wouldn't like Baptists. And so sometimes, often, we, we hesitate to share Christ. We hesitate to uh, testify for Christ or share our, 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 how God is working in our own lives because uh, we have our own ideas. We, we're not thinking uh, Christ's thoughts. How are you affecting your workplace, your neighborhood. Who is here because of you? Who is a part of this church because the Lord has used you to bring them here? Are you preparing the soil in your own home? Are you seeing God work in your own family? Often our own families are the most difficult They don't like to hear from the preacher. They don't like to hear your point of view on certain Bible verses. But are you being effective in your walk with Christ? Are you seeing God grow you into the likeness of Christ? It's a good question. It's a question I ask myself. It's a question we should ask ourselves daily. How am I growing into the likeness of Christ? Am I making a difference? Am I allowing God to use me, to prune me, to grow me into the likeness of Christ? Think about that. Ask yourself that question on a daily basis. Father, help me to make a difference. Help me to be used by you today. To make a difference with the people that I work with, my family. Let's bow for, for a word of prayer. Father, thank you for using average people like us. Father, I thank you that you you delight to use us. Father, I thank you and praise you that you give us that privilege. We know that, Father, you created the world in six days and all power is yours, and yet you allow us to be active in your service. Father, help us not to take that lightly. Help us to realize that we, without you, are nothing, and yet with you, we can make a difference in our world. Father, I pray that you help this church and these people to make a difference right here. Father, this church has a great heritage, and we want to see this church growing in its walk with Christ, and we want to see this neighborhood affected for Jesus Christ. 
And we know that as we trust in you, as we look to you daily, and as we allow you to use us and prune us and help us to grow, that we can make a difference. I pray for the church in Brazil even now as they meet, as they're hearing your word taught, as they're singing. I pray, Father, that you will protect each one of the the people that are meeting there now. I think of Alexandre. I pray that you would help him as he teaches. I think of Samuel. I pray that you would help him as he teaches. And uh, Damaris, Father, she's taking my class. I pray that you would just be with these folks right now. Help them as they share your word. That you will protect them and you will also use them to help people to grow in Christ and into Christ's likeness. And I thank you and praise you for what you're going to do and you've already done. In Jesus' name, amen.